Okay. Um, so basically, we will have uh, three topics here. One is I can share a few details on how we did our fundraising. Second, I can talk about. So Open Land is a community for founders at this time, uh, and as well as a messenger. And, and so I can share what we've learned about building communities and how you can use communities for your own business and um, basically community-driven marketing, how, how to use community to promote any product or service. Yeah, I think, so yeah, I think we should start from this point. Um, everyone, okay. before we start, uh, one of the rules of Founders Radio is that if you're not talking, please keep yourself muted so there is no background noise. Okay, cool. Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm, I'm Yuri, I'm CEO and co-founder of OpenLand. We have two co-founders. Another co-founder is Steve Kite or St uh, Stepan Korshakov. Um, um, so we started the company. We started working together on different ideas in uh, summer two years ago, summer 17. And uh, Steve was working full time at the time. I was taking a break from a previous work. and. Um, we, we built a few prototypes and we got into YC, got very lucky. That was, I think, my fourth application. I, I got rejected three times before. Um, and um, so we got into the winter 18 uh, class. And before, before we applied to YC, I talked with different ideas to about 12 investors and all 12 said no. And, um, and then we, we, we applied to YC and then we uh, got invited for the interview. So it was basically our application was accepted for the interview and interviews is like, uh, I don't know, 700, 800 teams are interviewed then 150 or 200 are, are accepted. So the interview chances are one in four. So if you are uh, invited for the interview three times out of four, you're not getting to IC, but one out of four, you get into IC. And so I use that fact that we we are invited to the uh, YC interview to talk to as as many YC alums as possible for for the practice preparation. There was no open land chat for coordinating practice interviews back then, so I found people like just either email them directly or tweet it uh, if they have open Twitter uh, direct messages things like that. And within two weeks, I scheduled like twenty five practice interviews. And, and, and done them. And some of those people were like, hey, we can probably invest in you before you get into YC. We think that you have good chances this time. And we want to invest in you like in a good valuation, like below what typical YC companies are um, getting. And my, my thinking was the chances are still one in four. So it's, <laughs> and that my, my personal savings were like almost uh, uh, depleted by that time. And, and so I thought, yeah, we should definitely take some money because if I'm not getting to YC, we have some money. And so basically there were four investors who say, who said that they will give us money. And so we come up with valuation of $4 million. Uh, at that time, the YC safes were only pre-money, not post-money. So basically we accepted $100,000 pre-money uh, pre YC safe one day before our interview. So our interview was on Monday and we accepted those money. The money were not in the bank. We just signed electronically the, uh, the 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 safes. So when when I came to the interview to YC on Monday, I said yesterday we raised hundred thousand uh, dollars uh, from some of the YC alums, and that was kind of cool. Uh, 
by that time we had like a prototype. We didn't have any sales. We didn't have any revenue. We were a B2B company. Uh, and we were two of us, no employees. And my co-founder was full-time at his previous job at that time. But he was saying that uh, from January 1st, he would quit the job and be full-time with us. So it was basically two people, no revenue, a prototype. We had a sales pipeline. That means we had 20 potential customers in conversations and some of them requested a contract to be reviewed and maybe signed and maybe not. But so we had a few of them who were like asking for the, the pricing or things like that. Um, yeah, so we, we got accepted to YC. We keep trying to sell the, our original idea that didn't work well. So we changed the idea during YC. Uh, and then we signed three contracts, three actual contracts, and one of them actually paid the money, and two others were like, we'll pay you money later. Um, so we actually had the actual revenue. No, I think we had two revenue-generating contracts back then, two contracts with the revenue and two contracts on paper. Yeah, that were like delayed revenue or something like this. Uh, and uh, so by the end of the YC, which was winter 2018, um so we had few contracts and on paper they were like 20k in monthly recurring revenue if all those contracts would and some of them had like a trial period after which the 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 the, the client can cancel and some of them were like cancel anytime at some target so they were very soft contracts not very firm contracts it's not, it's not like contracts where we had recurring revenue for a long period of time so we had con like revenue from two out of four customers and two others were like, hey, we signed the contract today, but we will start paying you three months late. And we can cancel anytime. So it was a very soft contract. Um, but we had a new new prototype product and uh, that was, look, was looking cool. We still didn't have any uh, employees. So it's still two founders, maybe one contractor at that time, part-time hourly contractor. And, um, and it was like two weeks before uh, before the end of YC. During the YC, I was trying to meet or talk at least with five YC alums uh, just to expand my network. And because it's like 10, 11 weeks, I basically talked to another 50 alums during during YC. When you are in, in YC batch, uh, you get much easier time to to have a just a, like a learning conversation with a successful founder. So I had like 50 of those learning conversations. Uh, and some of those founders are investing on the side or they can recommend you to an investor or things like that. So I had a network of people who could recommend me to investors. And so two weeks before YC, we started taking meetings. Before that, we were, if investor would ask you, hey, are you, we've learned you in YC, uh, can, can you talk to us? We were like, hey, wait until we're at the end of the YC. So two weeks before the end of the YC, we started taking meetings. We probably took, I don't know, another 20 meetings maybe nine or seven something like seven to nine of them said yes we want to invest at that time we we asked for eight million pre-money uh yc safe uh cap no discount um and so so we got another six no we got up to 600 so we had 100 before and then 120 from yc so we got another 400 something so the total funding before be, i think before uh, demo day was 600 or maybe 600 was the new money. And then there was like 800 total together with 100 pre YC and 120. I don't remember now. Uh, 
Yeah, at some point, at some, one of those investors at the very end, like uh, a few hours before the demo day, which was also, I think, on Monday, uh, there was an investor say, hey, we want to put another 200 or something. And we by that time, we said, no, 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 we now like want to be like 10 million pre-money safe because we only wanted like 600, 8 million and the rest on 10 million. And, and then they say, no, then we will not invest. And we say, okay, <laughs> so we lost that investor. Uh, uh, and so then we presented a demo day. On demo day, it's a little bit like Tinder. So the investors would say which companies they like and the companies would say which investors they want to talk. And if they like each other, then they can talk. Something similar to Tinder. So we get 160 likes on, from investors on demo day. So I think there were total, like, I don't know, 700 investors in the room and maybe a few others who were watching online. So uh, 160 was good. I think it was like out of 150 companies presenting, maybe it was, I don't know, 30th most popular company, maybe 40th most popular company. So we're not the most popular company in the uh, in the in the YC, but not not the least popular either. But all of our popularity was not because we were doing well. As I said, we had four contracts, very soft contracts, and very little revenue and the new idea that we changed the during YC. So we were basically working on it like six weeks or like seven weeks. So <laughs> we didn't get that much progress. Um, and um, it was related to the previous idea it was not completely unrelated. So we we used some of the same connections and, and so on. And some of the same actually software as well. Um, and um, then we made a mistake. Uh, so YC Demo Day works like this. So it's two days of presentation, uh, Monday and Tuesday, and then the Wednesday is um, uh, the, the speed dating format. So you talk to 20 for 20 minutes for a few investors whom like you you got matched. So they liked you, you like them, and then the the YC staff trying to do the matching. So people talk to the to the companies and investors that they like. And so I basically liked out of those 160 the investors that were the most famous investors. So I, I looked at the 160 and I picked the 20 or 15, the most famous ones, and I picked those. And those investors, I got all of them matched. So I got, I, I talked exactly to the investors I wanted to talk on Wednesday. And out of those 14, I think I might be closed one or didn't close anyone. So basically all famous investors say, hey, you guys working on this for seven weeks, you have only soft contracts. And we called a few customers who are similar to your customers and they don't seem to love your product or your idea. They don't think they need the, the service. So we're passing <laughs> or we win, we're, we're picking another, another YC companies who actually know what they're doing and have more revenue, more time on the market and things like that. Uh, but I also emailed everyone else, like out of those 160, I emailed a lot of people who didn't match for this first 15 and start talking to them, you know, Thursday, Friday, and the next week and the week after. And so those were closing much faster. And also once you close each individual investor, then, uh, they can introduce you to more investors. So the, the typical checks were like for anywhere from $10,000 to the biggest check we, we, we got was $300,000. So we never actually had what people call lead investor or something like that. So we keep adding like another 100, another 200, another 50, another 10, another 20, uh, things like that. So we, we, we never actually, uh, and then we were thinking, so 
during YC demo day, I was saying we want the total amount funding 1.8 million. Then we crossed 1.8. I'm like, okay, up to 2 million is fine. We got 2 million and then people were with, I still had a few meetings and then I got another offer, another offer. And so we keep adding, uh, we're keeping adding those checks until 225. So this is the total amount raised. And then we still had another one or two offer maybe to bring it to 2.5, 2.7. But by that time, it was like the same valuation, 10 million uh, YC safe. And I felt like we will sell too much of a company for money we will not really use because I, I didn't want to spend much money per month. So I was feeling like we don't need that much money right now. We might need it later when probably, hopefully, the company will... Um, Valued at high, high, high valuation, and therefore, will get the same money for smaller amount of shares. So I, th I thought we should stop at two twenty-five, and and that's what we did. And looking back again, from one hundred fifty companies in YC, probably about thirty companies raised that amount of money or more, or on 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 like soon after the demo day or before demo day, and then you know one hundred twenty companies raised less than that. I think actually over a million dollars, only about 50 companies raised from 150. So only each third company raised at least a million dollars. The the others didn't, or maybe half, maybe half raised over a million. And many companies already dead from, from our batch, but some company, like one or two companies already got acquired as well. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's how we raised the money. So basically every famous investor said no. In total, I talked to 140 investors. Uh, the typical uh, uh, cycle was three conversations. Uh, the first sometimes was in person, sometimes was uh, a call. Then the second and third almost always were the calls. I probably, maybe at most one person I met physically in person more than once. Sometimes it was extensive email conversations. So it was a phone call and then 20 emails back and forth with additional questions. Back then, people were not using chats for investments, so I was not chatting with any of the investors. Now, I think with a lot of investors, you would do open line chats or Facebook chats or Twitter chats or something like that. Um, we didn't have a deck. That was funny. So basically, we were too busy to trying to close those four contracts during YC, so I didn't have a time to build a real deck. At YC Demo Day, we had uh, like six or seven slides with a total of maybe 10 sentences on there. So the, the YC demo decks are super small, maybe five slides, six slides. Uh, I might find it. It's like, it's totally a different company now, but I might find that deck, uh, uh maybe later. I don't know, but it, it was nothing. So it was like, Hey, this is our company. Please give us money. It was about like that long. Uh, and, uh, was still called open land back then. And, um, yeah, so the, the typically it would be like three conversations over about two weeks average cycle on in, with an investor. The last check was in uh, early May or like mid May, so it was not like so we represented like March nineteen. So it was the end of March, all April, and maybe actually more than half of May. So I think May twenty third was probably the last check in. So it was two months, two months of uh, fundraising which is uh, for YC companies probably average for non-YC companies probably faster than average so non-YC company raises seed round maybe over three months if, if, if you do it first time if you are like a famous investor 
if you have founder who raised over a couple millions before, uh, then it's much easier. So it's only hard. It's super hard when you do it first time when basically no one knows you. And um, yeah, so we 140 investors. So some of them were from YC Demo Day. Some of them were we were introduced to them by the people who invested. So once everyone invested, you immediately ask them whom they can other investors they can introduce you to because in, a lot of investors do co-investments. I would say about uh, maybe a quarter of investors I talked to uh, were having any kind of Russian connection. And in terms of who invested, probably maybe a third of those were with Russian connection and other one not with Russian connection. But generally, when you're already in Silicon Valley, it's funny, but it's kind of easier to close Russian investors. So they have a little more interest in you comparing to when you are in Russia. So when you're in Russia and you're trying to close a Russian investor, that's hard. But if you are in Silicon Valley and you already raised some money, then you talk to Russian investors and it's uh, it's much easier than it was before. Um, what else did we learn? So what we've learned is, um, yeah, one thing is I try to keep kind of a list of uh, answers to frequently asked questions and try to improve the answers. So I try to observe whether my answers are good or not and which answers are weak or not and trying to update my best answers when I see that I got a better answer to the same question. And so when I was, you know, raising, when, when we already raised like a million out of those 225, I knew all the answers. I knew all the questions. So some of my answers were not good enough in terms of like, hey, we didn't know whether the pro product really was in high demand or whether the market was really big or anything of that sort because we were in the market for very few weeks and we almost stopped any development or did very little development during fundraising. So we had those kind of four contracts. And 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 then the the, 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 the continuation of the story. So we closed on May in May and then June, July we started building the product and uh, trying to get the revenue from the contracts that were delayed. And then we figured out that the market is actually not as good as we thought as well as there is a other market close enough or like that we think is way better and so we asked a few investors hey we see a market nearby that is much much better and we were personally more excited about it and uh and they say surely like you can go there <laughs> and and so we changed the idea so we changed the idea to what we back then described as B2B messaging. And now we see that people use open land both for B2B uh, communication, like founders to investors, but all kinds of use cases. So we see in education when people use open land chats to uh, have like a student groups and we see um, uh, community, community uh, use cases, probably the biggest use case right now. Uh, but also we see some, you know, people uh, promoting their services or talking to their customers and, uh, and things like that. Um, yeah. So, uh, my main lessons is that you need to talk to a lot of people. So more than hundred people, typically, if you want to raise a good, uh, serious, uh, seed, uh, or like seed round. And then the second, uh, lesson is that you need not only talk to investors, but talk to, to people who would introduce you to investors. So you need to have at least 50 or 100 founder friends. So founder friends, not just other founders, but other founders who raise money, uh, venture money. So if you have 50 to 100 founder friend, friends who raised before, each of them can, you know, make a few interests for you. 
and then you have a few hundred uh, people to talk to. Uh, and then uh, you can have, and then, then you need to just really improve the script with every conversation and your answers become better, 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 better. And then eventually they're good enough for some people too. And another lesson is uh, you should not, uh, unless you're like the best company ever, you should not hope that the best investors will invest in you. So I basically got rejected by every known investor, like every famous investor. Uh, so like every famous investor, they expressed interest to talk to us, but they, after talking to us, they all rejected us, like every single one of them. And so we talked like General Catalyst and Coastal Ventures and Initialized Capital and First Round Capital. And I forgot what, but like during our seed fundraise, like they, they all said basically too early, like you haven't proved enough interesting things. So they basically said, we'll like you, but we like your other companies from your YC batch much more than we like you. And we only want to invest in, I don't know, five or 10 of those companies and you're number 20 on our list. So why would we spend time with you? Um, so, um, uh, that th those are the main lessons. I, I, I can take some questions on fundraising and then we can go to other topics. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, right now we're opening the section for questions. Section for questions. I'll, start with myself. I'll start with myself. Uh, uh, I'm sure curious, do you think, do you think that the fact that, the fact that you've started with talking to like famous investors and they all rejected you, was it bad for you? Like, did it damage your reputation, let's say so? So other investors looking at the fact that all those fancy, cool investors rejected you, maybe that influenced their decision? Do you think that was the case? No. No, not at all, because uh, they don't have a good uh, way to know who rejected me. And also they know that when you talk to a lot of investors, mo most investors pass on most people uh, they talk to. Like a typical investor talks to a few hundred companies each year and invests in a few single companies or a few like 10 or 20 companies at most. So mm -hmm. uh, rejection is the most common theme. It's not really a news if someone rejects you. and um, they asked who is investing. So basically their question is, are there any other famous people who invest in you? And I would say, those people invest in me. And they're like, those are not famous people. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> they gave me money. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, so one, 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 one other very important uh, lesson we learned is that the best source of money is new investors. The investors who invest for the first time in their life. When an investor is on their first year of investing, first of all, they are much more, uh, uh, they will invest in less uh, uh, hot companies because they cannot really, if, if the company has more investor interests than they have shares to sell, they will pick famous investors. So the new investor by default cannot really win any popular startup. So the new investors always invest in unpopular startups. So it's, it's, it, it, that's the lock. New investors and unpopular startups uh, find each other and, you know, help each other. So the, the new investor, they think like that. I will invest in few unpopular startups and I will help them and I will earn my reputation. And then next time I'm no longer a new investor and I have reputation. And therefore, uh, when I compete for the popular startup next time, I have something to show and maybe next time I can win uh, shares in a popular startups. Popular and unpopular startup doesn't mean good and bad startups. It's very hard to predict which startups will 
will succeed, especially if startups will change ideas so often. Uh, but we were good, maybe hopefully good, good startup, but not very popular startup. So we closed a lot of investors who were very new investors. So how do you define a popular startup? Like how do they become popular? Yeah, I, I, I already did. So the popular startup is a startup who has more investor interest in dollar amounts than the amount of shares they want to sell. For example, you want to sell uh, shares for $2 million and you got inbound calls from investors and you ask each of them how much they want to put in and together it's $5 million. So you have $5 million of, of investment interest and you only want to raise $2 million. If you have more investment interest, then you you have the allocation or the the, uh, the dollar value of the shares that you're selling, then you're a popular startup. If, <laughs> if you want to raise a million dollars and you only have offers for $100,000, then you're unpopular. Startup. Okay, yeah, it's reasonable. Okay, any more questions, okay. guys? Uh, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay, this is Mitra speaking. Um, is it necessary for you as a first trapper to have some United States background, like accommodation, or you've got to be staying there for like two years or something like that? And how do you think, uh, how does it affect investors if you're like from, from overseas? Yes, uh, I have one data point, which is myself. Uh, I, when I was fundraising in 2008, I was in the United States for uh, 11 years and I had a citizenship. So, uh, and I lived in San Francisco. So, and that helped, <laughs> obviously. And, uh, and uh, we always said that my co-founder will be applying for all one visa. He was not, he was on tourist visa back then, BB1, B2 visa. Um, so we were saying that we, the, the founders will be in the United States. So if you're not in the United States, I think, and you're talking to United States investor. So first of all, you definitely need to have a Delaware C Corp company, like legal entity needs to be in the US. But second, you basically need to tell investors that you have full intention to uh, uh, get a, a work visa and become a US based founder. So you might not be a US-based founder when you fundraise, but you need to tell investors that uh, you're planning to become a US-based founder. If you are telling them that you are not planning to become a US-based invest, uh, founder in the next one or two years, then uh, most investors would not be interested. There are global investors, the investors who invest in regional companies. Like if you are in China-based or India-based or some other huge market, or you are doing something for Europe. So I don't know the uh, like electric scooters for Europe, and you are Berlin-based. Then it's fine. Or basically, if you if you are building something for a big regional market and you want to stay in that regional market, then it's fine. So if you are doing like I don't know like Amazon for Brazil, and you will stay in Brazil, that's fine. But if you are doing something where basically it will be global global company or like primary targeting American customers and you're not planning to be in America, then that doesn't make sense. Yeah, thanks. Uh, how do you think, is it necessary to have uh, the Delaware company before talking to investor or you just can say that uh, I, I will set the company uh, after we agreed? Yes, you need to have Delaware company before you ask for money. Uh, it takes a few weeks and a few hundred dollars. So if you didn't do that already, 
uh, investor feels like you're not serious. Mm, I see. So basically what, what I had was when investors say yes, we like at some point I would ask them directly, do are you interested to invest in our company at YC safe uh, pre money cap of $10 million? Yes or no uh, right now. And if they say yes, I would say beautiful. I'm sending you the e-signature request for our standard paperwork, uh, basically contracts for future equity, as well as wiring instructions where you can wire the money. And if you are not wiring them within two weeks, I, the, the, the uh, agreement to buy shares in like future shares in our company automatically expires and you're no longer our investor. And so basically once they say, yes, I'm interested to invest, I, the same day, like within maybe an hour, I will send them a one field electronic signature agreement on, and that's a standard YC paperwork. So they don't need to do legal review because every other uh, startup founder will send them exactly the same contract. It has just one field for the valuation cap. And I told them it's 10 million and it just has our legal entity name. And other than that, it's super, <laughs> it's the same language. And I say, you need to electronically sign it today and wire me money within two, two weeks. And if you're not doing that, I consider you not being our investor. And I don't I no longer talk to you. And, and so that, that's it. So basically, when I talk to someone three times, uh, first of all, I almost never talk to them four times. So I basically say, I spend enough time with you for you to learn as much as you can about our company. You should have enough time and um, information to decide yes or no. You know our valuation. You know our legal paperwork. If you say yes, I'll send you the paperwork and the uh, the, the bank account information where you can uh, send the money. And if you're not doing that, then I consider that you said no to me. Uh, and on the second conversation, or even at the end of the first conversation, if if the people don't say outright no, you're basically saying what's the process from here on for you to arrive to a final decision? What do you need from me? and from us, like, how should we talk from here? And they will typically say, I ask you to send me some additional information or maybe a demo or something, something like that. Or they, I want to review your contracts with existing customers. So I want to talk to your customers. By the way, anyone, any investor who talked to our customers, they all passed. <laughs> so, so any investor who tried to talk to our customers ended up not investing. So. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> how to uh, interpret that information, but uh, th that was our situation. Uh, and um, yeah, so hello, uh, do you hear me? Yes. Uh, hi, Yuri. This is Andre speaking. Uh, I have a question uh, regarding like when do you want to approach like the Series A? from now on and which targets do you set for yourself internally like to to approach it if you may answer thanks uh, good question um we keep our options open so we don't have one plan uh so we have money in the bank for another two years at least two years and a few months um we want to raise round a when we feel like we um kind of brought the company to the next level in terms of how many users we have, how often they use the product, how well do we understand what our product is for, how well do we understand uh, where we can get more users, how well do we understand how to start monetizing OpenLand, things like that. So right now it is better for us to just improve in the company rather than get any more money. 
And when we improve the company enough, we feel, okay, now it's better to get more money than keep improving the company. So basically we keep, keep, keep get making OpenLand better as a business, as a community, as you know, in terms of, but uh, more qualitatively, I would say we need to get better at user acquisition and user retention uh, and find a scalable way to acquire users, scalable way, like, like uh, high retention rates and, uh, and just the larger number of users. So I think those three, so more users, scalable user acquisition model, repeatable scalable acquisition model and good retention. Those are the three kind of checkpoints we need for round day. Uh, when hopefully next calendar year, so 2020, uh, whether it would be early 2020 or late 2020, it depends how soon we achieve that. Um, and we're super open how much we want to raise or whom we want to raise from. So we'll decide it when we will start raising. Thank you. ask a question about the uh, contacting investors. So congratulations on getting into YC and so finishing that and then like raising afterwards. Um, for people that haven't gotten to a place like YC, how effective is it to send messages to investors maybe one at a time in order to see if they're interested in setting up a meeting? Um, if you don't have a platform such as YC where you established yourself? Yeah, sure. Good question. Um, and and for, first four, four checks we got before YC, we just leveraged the fact that we are interviewing to YC, which is one in four chances to get into YC. And they told them that today we, we, we valued at $4 million and tomorrow we might be valued at like $8 million. So if you want to invest before we know whether we accept it or reject it to YC, you need to invest now. Um, so I would advise against, um, uh, cold, cold email. Uh, I never closed a single investor from cold outreach and I have not heard many stories of people closing after cold outreach. So basically I don't think it's work. It, it, it does work. I, I don't, I think it doesn't work. What works is a cold outreach to founders. So if you if you're working in a particular area, you can reach out to the founders without any introduction and say, "Hey, I'm working on that company and I hope to fundraise soon, and I would take any conversation with experienced founder to help me in any way in terms of feedback and uh, uh, advice on how to do fundraising and whatnot." And ideally, when you send that to founders, you um, attach something so either demo or a description of your company or yc application draft some information that the the experienced founder can read about your company quickly uh, because people read much faster than they'll listen so the, the experienced founders would like to read about your company and when they read about your company and maybe they give you a quick call 10 20 minutes uh, then you have like a founder friend and if you have like a 50 founder friends then at some point you say, now we are actually fundraising. And then you ask this founder friends for the introductions. And when you ask for introductions, you, you, you want to give the founder friends the, your actual final real, like up to date pitch deck and, uh, the list of investors who would you like to get interest to ideally in a shared spreadsheet format, uh, Google doc or Airtable or notion, something like that. 
uh, so that they can say, look at your target investor list and say, okay, I can do two, three interests from your list, or I can recommend you additional investors to your list. And what's important is not to put just the famous investors there. So don't just put their, I don't know, uh, first round capital, <laughs> because most likely than not, your company is not as popular or as, you know, further along to be of interest to them. So just find non-famous investors that you want to talk to. Uh, ideally, as I said, new investors. And when you're making new founder friends, look for people with whom you have some connection. So maybe they originally from the same country or from the same city, or maybe they have the same business model. Maybe they work, they have a complementary product for the same type of customer. Maybe they did something similar to you, but in a different geographic market or things like that. And, and then when you approach the other founders, then yeah, you don't need introduction. So you can mass, mass email founders or mass message them on uh, open land or whatever. But, but you need to say, hey, we are connected by this and this. This is description of my company. I'm looking to expand my founder network. I am looking for any kind of advice. We will be fundraising one or two or three months into the future. I, I've seen that you fundraised before, so you have a network. And I hope you can look at my company and things like that. Thanks. So basically, you, you build your own platform. So instead of YC, you build your own founder friends kind of list. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think we're founder. done with the questions okay, here, good. and we can move on to the next topic. Yep. Because we're uh, kind of limited by the time. Yes, absolutely. Me, me too. Sure. Um, yeah so uh on community stuff so what we've so first of all you probably noticed that open land as it is today is a community for founders and uh, uh and by doing by like building this founder community and i've built communities before so um what i've noticed this time is that a lot of companies are building communities um so uh and the community becomes a, an important tool for marketing products and services, particularly in B2B, but I think B2C as well. So um, what I want to say is that if you want to sell a product, and especially if you want to sell a product that doesn't exist, so you work on a product that, you know, you have prototype, you have an idea, uh, but you know who the customer is, but you don't have the full product yet. So if you're building a product for a certain market, you're either an expert in this uh, product or service category, or you hope to become an expert. So you are quickly learning about, uh, about that field. And because you're quickly learning or you're already an expert in that field, you have some information to share. So you have some lessons learned or you talk to a lot of industry players in that field and you collect a lot of learning notes or you go to the conference and you have conference notes. So you produce content that is not about your product or service, but is about the market. And this is of interest to the market. And so you can start publishing or becoming an expert. So start then, you know, a chat group on OpenLand or a Medium blog or a Facebook group or Slack or Telegram channel or something. So you produce content and you build uh, followers and community. And also you start introducing your followers to each other. Um, that is knowledge about the market. And so you become seen as a, 
you build your own reputation in that market as a trusted expert or someone whom other people can ask for help or for questions. And that builds a market for you before you have the actual service to offer. Or even if you have the service to offer, you still might want to produce a lot of content, not about your own product, but of the valuable content for your audience that is not necessarily about your product. Maybe just other things that you learned or you come through or the conferences or the meetups or meetings that you organize that you learn something and then you want to share. And um, that helps for established companies because they have new products or they have updates or they want to kind of entertain and have closer relationship with their customers so that they can ask for more feedback and more feature requests and more um, like two-way communication with their customers. So what I'm trying to say is uh, earn trust with your potential uh, your market and your customers before you have something to sell to them. And you can earn trust by instead of selling them your final product or service by selling them your expertise or your content or uh, the information that you can produce that they would find valuable. And like, for example, at some point we will have the uh, um, Openland Pro, the premium accounts like the paid messenger. Right now I cannot sell you paid messenger because we don't have it. But I already produced some, you know, free content or some useful content, hopefully useful content right now by sharing our like founder journey and lessons learned and things like that. And we like build this trust relationship. And uh, and what's more important is not only uh, I produce content for you, I'm trying to help you to produce content for each other and learn from each other. And that's actually the difference between kind of blogging or broadcasting and community. So in like when you like write something on Twitter or on Facebook or on Medium or Telegram or uh, elsewhere, you produce content, everyone else is a reader or they, they watch or they listen to your podcast. But the community is not only when you produce content and people just consume it, but more like you produce some content, people come in, and then you help connect the people who came in between themselves. And so helping them learn from each other as well. So not only all of them learn from you, they learn from each other. And that's the difference between community and uh, basically blogging or content marketing. So in, in traditional content marketing, you produce content and your audience consumes it. Cool, yeah, so uh, that's basically the main concept. And I see both the, the founders who don't have a product, they also use it a lot for uh, customer research or customer development. So when you want to try different ideas and you want to see uh, what other products maybe nearby your original idea uh, have even more demand. So basically, if you just have a prototype or MVP or just friends who follow your journey, put them all in chat group and connect them to each other and ask them to self-introduce and then occasionally ask them questions on what else they need or what kind of problems they have, what kind of products they would wish exist. And that help you figure out quicker what you actually should build. Okay, then we're gonna wrap up here. Um... Thanks a lot, Yuri, for coming up and sharing the super cool story about fundraising. I think like it was super helpful for many people to listen about the whole process of going through YC Combinator. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot for that. And uh, for everyone who's attending, let's say so, next week I'm trying to bring some actual investors. So I've spoken to several uh, venture capitalist associates 
and the bees, but they didn't confirm yet, but hopefully they will. So next week, I'm, I'm going to try to bring uh, a person with a, who can give you some uh, investor perspective on the startup world. So again, 11 a.m. every week here at Founders Radio. Thanks all awesome. for Thanks. coming. Thank you, Thank you Yuri, for sharing. And hopefully see you next week. Thanks. Right, bye. Thanks. Thank, Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye.